0: Well, how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? We'll hold up the Bible all over the building. I want to ask you to join me, if you will, back in the uh, book of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter uh, 13 tonight, and uh, page number 273. And uh, just for the sake of time, I'll read one verse, verse number one, and that'll kind of launch us into this text tonight uh, from the book of Joshua chapter number 13. And uh, thank you again for being here, and I do want to remind you to be here on a, on a Wednesday night. and I hope you'll be here for our service and the master's clubs and all that's going on on Wednesday night of this week. Well, our buses today did a good job of bringing people to church. We had a total of 267 riders on our church buses today. That's a good crowd, and I appreciate all the hard work and labor that went into that one of our routes. Uh, didn't get to run today, but everybody else did. That's good. And we appreciate the good job did. Listen to this. Pofftown route had 47. The South Winston route had 33. And one of the Spanish routes had 30. Those were the top three buses uh, today. And then the West Winston route had 11. And as I said, the South Winston route, 33. The King Rural Hall route had 24. And the Mount Airy route had 18. The Murray Road route had 27. The Pofftown route, 47. The Ogburn Station route, 12. The Siloam route was running again today people woke up in Siloam North Carolina capital of the entire world and we had fourteen riders from Siloam North Carolina this morning and uh, then of course you throw in the other Spanish bus routes two hundred and sixty seven riders on our church buses and I appreciate the hard work if you appreciate that would you say amen and the best of all we had three people that were saved on the other side of the building and that's always good to hear about people being saved isn't it and and praise the Lord for that. Brother Tim White preached over at the truck stop today. Had two people over there and preached to those two truckers over there. and Didn't have anybody say, but praise the Lord for the opportunity to preach and uh, to uh, have the opportunity to present the gospel to people. And so a good day, and God's been good to us, and we sure appreciate His blessings. Let's don't ever take for granted the good blessings of God upon our church. Well, let's read tonight Joshua chapter 1, uh, chapter one, 13, verse number 1. And if you will, leave your Bibles open and just follow me along, and I'll not preach a long time tonight, but I want to share three things with you from this text. Look at verse one. Now, Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Joshua, you're getting old, son but I got something I need for you to do. So tonight I want to just from this chapter, I want to preach on what I'm going to just call the three gets from Joshua 13. Three times the Lord didn't say the word get, but it is implied in this text. So the three gets from Joshua chapter 13. Let's pray. Father, bless the Word of God tonight. Thank you for the good day, for the blessings of God upon our church, upon the ministry of Woodland Baptist Church. Please help us tonight as we fellowship now for just a little bit around the Word of God. And may the Spirit of God have something for us in this text, I pray tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Seventy souls went down into the land of Egypt, and they stayed there for 400 years in Egyptian bondage. The Lord finally, after the cries and the prayers of the people of God, sent them a deliverer by the name of Moses. Moses goes down into the land of Egypt, and after some struggle with Pharaoh... Eventually, the children of Israel are on their way out of the land of Egypt. The Bible said they come to the Red Sea, as I was preaching a little bit about this morning, and they crossed over on dry ground, and the armies of Pharaoh were, were destroyed in the, in the waters uh, of, the, of the Red Sea. For 40 years, the nation of Israel then would wander around in the desert. God after 2 years brought them to a place by the name of Kadesh Barnea. God brought them there with the intentions of leading them over into the promised land, but as we know, they rebelled against the Lord there. They got afraid, they turned back, and for 38 more years, making a total of 40 years, they wandered In the wilderness. God promised there at Kadesh Barnea that everybody from twenty years old and upward that had rebelled against God would die in the wilderness. And the Bible said for the next years they wandered in the in the in the wilderness from place unto place. Moses, the great leader of Israel at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, he dies. The Bible said that when Moses died that they mourned for him for 30 days. And there stood the people of God, the nation of Israel, on the other side, of the Jordan River. When Moses passed off the scene, God had a new leader in Israel. His name was Joshua. And Joshua's job was to lead the people of God across uh, the Jordan River into the promised land to begin to take possession of the land that God promised them on the night that they left the land of Egypt. Joshua brings the nation of Israel along and God once again parts the waters uh, in the flooded out Jordan River and the people of God once again Again, cross over on dry ground. Of course, after getting over to the land of Canaan, there's battles to be fought over there. And one of the first battles that they had to fight when they got into the land of Canaan was the battle with Jericho. Jericho was a, a big city. And uh, boy, if they were going to take the promised land, the land of Canaan, they had to the defeat of the city of Jericho. And God had an unusual battle strategy for taking that city. They were going to march around those walls of the city of Jericho one time a day for six Six days, and then on the seventh day, they were going to march seven times around, and then they were going to shout, blow the trumpets, and the walls were going to come tumbling down. And we know that's exactly what happened. And God gave a great victory over the city of Jericho. And the people of God began to drive a wedge deep into the land of Canaan. In chapter 9, they fought with those five different kings. And God gave them a great victory. After a little stumble, a little mess up in the city of Ai, once again, God gave them a great victory. So as we come tonight to Joshua chapter 13, God's people, under the leadership of Joshua, are now in the Land of Canaan. They've driven a wedge right through the center of the land, and now it's time to begin to branch out as individual tribes to take possession of the land of Canaan. The Bible tells us in chapter 13 of the book of Joshua and verse number 1 that Joshua was old and stricken in years. Most people think that Joshua is now between the ages of 90 and 100 years old. He's going to die a few chapters over at the age. Of one hundred and ten, and God says to joshua okay joshua you 're getting old there 's some things you 've got to do now it wasn 't that joshua wouldn 't already serve in God. Joshua was the great military mind and military leader." Of the nation of Israel. He had been very active, very busy, very diligent in leading the military. But God says to Joshua now, put off your military uniform. Put on your administrative clothes. It's time now to administrate, to, to give out, to divvy up the land of Canaan. And as we approach this text tonight, there are three things that we find God telling his people in chapter 13 that they need to get Done Now, you know by now, if you've been coming long to Woodland, you know that sometimes I have a tendency to butcher the king's English. And I want to tell you right up front tonight, I'm going to butcher the king's English. But for the sake of alliteration, if you'll bear with me, I hope it'll make sense when we get done here in just a moment. Look in chapter 13 now, verse number 1, and God says to Joshua, Joshua, number 1, Joshua, get going. Get going. Joshua, you're old. He's an old man now. You know, somebody said there are four stages that a man goes through in his life. There's the stage where he believes in Santa Claus. There's the stage that he don't believe in Santa Claus. There's the stage that he is Santa Claus. And finally, there's the stage that he looks like Santa Claus. And Joshua is now in that stage of his life that he now looks like Santa Claus. He's old and he's stricken in years. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, you've been faithful to lead this army. You've been faithful to lead this nation. But still yet, at this old age in your life, there is still very much land that needs to be possessed. Joshua, now's not the time to sit back and relish in your victories. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll have a tendency to do that. We like to relish in years of bygone years at the victories that we used to have. You know, if we're not careful, some times we live too much in the past and all we can do is talk about what God has done. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, in spite of everything that has done, uh, has been done, in spite of the great victory at Jericho, in spite of what happened at Ai, in spite of the great victory of the Gibeonites and the rest of that crowd, Joshua, there's still a lot that needs to get done. Joshua, you need to get going. And boy, I got to thinking about that. God said that to Joshua at that age, but how much more does God say that to us tonight? Hey, church, it's time to get going. Now, I got it, friend. We've taken a lot of months off around here because of the corona. Back Starting back in the month of March last year, there was a complete and utter shut door down. And, and I don't know what's going to happen under this new administration. You hear things. People are speculating what might happen. I get all that. But can I tell you something? We've sat down for too long. We've just enjoyed being back in church for quite a while now. And I believe the message that God. God has for Woodland Baptist Church and for us as individuals tonight. Okay now, God's given you some great victories in the past. God's allowed you to see some great things, but they, hey, the work of God's not over. It's time now to get going again. Can I stop and say it is time to get going again? There are souls that needs to be won. There's some faithfulness that we need to demonstrate and example as the people of God. There's some people that we need to reach. There's some people that have gotten out of church through these days, through these months, weeks that we've uh, kind of, you know, been in a shutdown process. There's some people that fallen by the wayside. There's lost people. This world is full of people that are lost tonight. Listen, I'm here to tell you it's time to get going, folks. We got to get back at it again. It's time to get over just being excited about being back in church again. And it's time to get back to soul winning. It's time to get back to preaching. It's time to get back to reaching out, calling people, trying to fill up the house of God. It's time to get going again. Joshua, you got to get going, son. There's so much that needs to be done. Joshua, get going now let me ask you a question what do you need to get going in tonight hey what do you need to get started back at again Hey, what do you need to get stirred up about again in your life? You know, we're going pretty good. Things are going pretty good. We just had that 100-year celebration in 2019 and had that big day, what, 3,200 in church that Sunday, and folks were saved and baptized. And, boy, we had a great year. We had so much going on. And then we hit March of 2020, and everything just come to a screeching halt. And sad but true, ladies and gentlemen, God's people, we had to start watching church on computer. again and and go back and, and it just seemed like everything just come to a screeching halt last year. Don't you think it's time to get going again? There's so much more that God has for us. There's so much more land that needs to be possessed. There's so many more battles that needs to be fought. There's so many more victories that need to be won. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get going again. I don't want you to take what I'm about to say wrong. But can I tell you this? Years ago, if, if a preacher would have stood in the pulpit and preached about the second coming of Jesus as we did here this morning, it wouldn't have been anything to see 5, 10, 15 people walk down the aisle and got saved, get saved. It wouldn't have been anything to see that. But you know, in these days, listen, we aren't, we aren't reaching out to anybody. We're not bringing lost people with us to the house of God. And so now we could preach like that and nothing happens. You know why? God's people aren't going. It is time to get back. I, got, I, I understand all the excuses. I, I hear all this, you know, boy, the people won't let you in their house. They're scared of the COVID, whatever. I get all that. But what are we doing to reach people in these days? Don't you agree with me when I say, hey, it's time to get going. Joshua, there's so much more that needs to be done. Don't just sit back. Don't just relish in what has happened, what has taken place. God is still the same God today that he was back there. Hey, let's get going again. Let's believe God to do great things again. Get going, Joshua. But not only do we find in this chapter God saying, Get going. Get going. But also in this chapter we find this. Now here's some, stay with me. Get gone. You say, preach that ain't good. I know it's not, but it's good preaching. Because if you look in this text, God said in chapter 13, in verse number 13, God said there's some people, there's some things you've got to get rid of over here in this land. You've got to get rid of the children of Israel, verse number 13. They didn't expel the Geshurites nor the Maekathites. But the Geshurites and the Maekathites dwell among the Israelites unto this day. God had told the nation of Israel when once they entered the promised land, entered the land of Canaan, God had told them there were some things they had to get rid of in that land. There were some things they couldn't tolerate. There were some things that they had to to stamp out in their lives. There were some people that had to go. There were some practices that had to go. There were some philosophies that had to go. Don't let these things stay there. You have got, for the sake of alliteration, to get these things gone from your lives. Let me read it to you. In, back in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7, we read something like this. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them, speaking of this crowd, the Canaanites crowd, all of these people, when he's going to deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. "'Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. "'Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, "'nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son.'" For they'll turn away thy heart. They'll turn away thy son from following me that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. You know what God said? Hey, don't go over there. Don't tolerate these things when you get over there. You have got to get these things gone from your lives, from your presence when you move into the land of Canaan. You know something, the reason a lot of people live in failure every day of their life is because there's some things that they won't get gone from their lives. There's some things around them that they just tolerate in their lives, there's some sins in their life that they refuse to confess and forsake. And because of that, they live day after day in, in, in misery and in failure. And the reason is because they won't get some things in their life gone that God said needs to get gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm amazed and, 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 and when I have to deal with people. Sometimes uh, in our church... You know, as a, as a pastor, you have to talk to people. And sometimes, you know, in marriages, there are problems in marriages. And you have to, you have to sit there and talk to people and try to work through the problems that, that they've got going on in their marriage. Sometimes, uh, one of the problems in, in marriage that, that we're, that's really exploding in our day is pornography. We see that happening a lot. And by the way, not just out of the church, in the church as well. You know, statistically, George Barna said that over 50% of the men who sit in our churches any given Sunday morning are addicted to pornography. Now, I don't think that number's that high in here, but I'll tell you this, if it's one, it's one too many. And I'm amazed that when we start trying to deal with those things and I look at that dear man, maybe, or woman, whichever one it may be, and they have been texting people that are not their spouses. And, and they have been using phrases and words. Let, let me say it like this. They have been explicitly texting other people. And I look at them and I say, okay, here's what you've got to do now. We got to, this is a problem in your marriage, and we've got to fix this. Ma'am, you need to go right now and change your telephone number and just get you a different phone number. And then I look at that dear man. Maybe he's sitting there and he's eat up with pornography. And I say, look, you need to cut the low-down Internet off your telephone. And you need to go get you a new phone number and get away from that stuff. It's amazing to me how many times those people will look at me and start offering up excuses. Well, I can't do that, preacher. There's just no way. And you know what they're doing? They're tolerating the Canaanites in their life. And it won't be long, they may get off of it right now, but it won't be long if there's no accountability, if there's no dealing with that sin, if there's no getting some things gone from our lives that doesn't need to be there, if there's no uh, severity in judgment of getting things out of our life that don't need to be in our life, if we're not careful, those things will creep right back in. You know why? We're tolerating them in our lives. They're dwelling among us. We settle down with that stuff. Just like the nation of Israel settled down with these nations that were around them. God said, I want them gone. God said, I want them destroyed. God said, if if you let them hang around, they'll turn your heart away from me. And the first thing you know, you'll be worshiping their gods and the Israelites didn't listen. They tolerated those Canaanites and it wasn't long until we read this right here in the book of Joshua. The Bible said, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Why? I'll tell you why. They didn't get some things gone out of their life that needed to get gone. Boy, we got to be careful with that. You have today in your life what you tolerated yesterday. Can I say that one more time? You have in your life today what you tolerated yesterday. And my tomorrow and my next week and my next year and my next years will be like they will be because of the things that I tolerate I let stay in my presence right now. There's some things. The children of Israel, God said, hey, Joshua, get going. Hey, children of Israel, get gone. Get these things out of your life. If you don't, they'll turn your heart aside from following after me. How many times have we seen it happen before? And the first thing you know, here's a marriage that's tore all to pieces. Here's children uh, with parents spending time, one parent, then the other parent. And it's all because they let things go on in their life that God said needed to be gone. What's in your life that needs to get gone tonight? Hey, what, that's good southern binocular, ain't it? What are, you got in, what are you tolerating in your life tonight that needs to be gone What are you allowing in your life tonight that is totally against the Word of God and the will of God for your life? What's in your cabinet? I tell you the reason people are, uh, they, 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 they're, they're already, they're hooked on that alcohol. And then the first thing you know, they, they come to church and they get saved and they leave it alone, but then they didn't get rid of it and it sits in the cabinet somewhere. Brothers and sisters, if we allow it to remain in our presence, it's not going to be long till we wiggle our way back to it. If we let it stay on the line, we can reach back over and grab a hold of it and bring it into this life and mess our lives up. God said, get it gone. Get it gone. Get it gone out of your presence. Stay away from it. You've got no business letting it dwell there. Get going, God said. It's time to get going. We've sat around long enough. Hey, get going, Joshua. There's so much more that needs to be done. But children of Israel, there's some things you need to get gone. Listen, if you, if you, before you got saved, if you were bad to drink, why in God's name would you have alcohol in your home? Well, somebody said, oh, preach, you don't understand. I just buy it to pour on my grass to make my grass. Listen, you're going to kill your grass. Have you ever heard anybody tell you? i had somebody tell me that one time. What I do is I buy it, and then I mix a concoction, and I pour it on my grass to make my grass. Are you kidding me? I ain't going to do that to my grass. If I want to kill it, I ought to spray Roundup on it. I sure ain't gonna pour Bud Dumbers and Miller Lowlifes on it. That don't that has no place whatsoever in my presence. Can I have an Amen? If you were bad to do drugs before you got saved, why in God's name are you going to keep them paying a bag of of pot laying around? Why would you do that? Get it gone, man. Get it out of your life. That's not God's will. You're no longer that person. You're saved. You know better than that. Get it gone. Get it gone. Get going. Get gone. And last of all, number three, get God. What happened? Look in our text here. As this chapter comes to a close, uh, Joshua's divvying up the land. He's talking to the tribe of Manasseh and Reuben and Gad and some of the other tribes. And he says, okay, now this is what you get. This is where you need to go. These are the people you need to fight, and you need to expel them off the land. Don't let them live there. Get rid of it. And he's just going, going down through here, and he's just naming off this province, this piece of land, Belongs to you. This piece of property belongs to you. Go in there, fight for it, win the battle. Don't let them stay. Run them off. Get rid of them. And, and, and he's going all the way down through here. But then if you look at the last verse of this chapter, we come to the tribe of Levi. And when we come to the tribe of Levi, all the way down in verse number 33, the Bible said that Joshua said to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not you any inheritance. Why? The Lord God of Israel is your inheritance. Can I tell you something? You know, as God's people, there's a lot in this world that's going on tonight that we don't need to be partakers of. There's a lot of ungodliness, a lot of worldliness, a lot of wickedness that's going on in this world. And uh, as God's people, we need to dismiss ourselves from the presence of that. What does the Bible say? Abstain from all appearance. I mean, we need to stay away from that stuff. I, I make no apologies for standing up here preaching about the separation of the believer from the world. I know we don't hear a whole lot about that anymore. It almost seems like, you know, we just want to cuddle up to the world, and we want to be friends with the world, and we want everybody to love us. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. I make no apologies for telling us that as God's people, we need to be different from the world. We need to be separated from the world. We don't need to be like the world. We don't need to walk like them, talk like them, live like them, cuss like them, drink like them. We don't need to be like them. We're God's people. We're called to a higher standard of living. I make no apologies for that. You say, preacher, it looks like then, man, we're we're missing out. I mean, it just looks like. How many people sit in their churches and look out their stained glass windows on their cushioned pews and they think, man, the world's got it better than we do? Well, let me tell you what we get. We get God. (laughs) I don't get what this world has to offer. That's not my inheritance. My inheritance is this. I get God. (laughs) Can I tell you this? I'll take God any day over the week. Any day of the week over anything this world has got to offer. You can have it all. I get God. God's been so good to me. God's rescued my life. God saved me from a terrible life. God saved me from, and I'm not down on anybody else, but I'm just saying God saved me from two or three divorces. God saved me from frying my brains on bad drugs. God saved me from a cirrhosis of the liver, from alcohol, uh, alcohol induced. God's kept me from that stuff. Hey, I'm not paying alimony. Hey, I'm not paying child support in three different states. I'm just saying God's been good to me. Hey, I get God. I may not get what this world is selling. I may not get to, I may not get all the world has to offer, but I'll take God any day of the week. He's my inheritance. I love him. He loves me. I'll take God. Get God. Hey, you get going. Hey, you get gone. Because in the end we get God. Amen and amen. And I'm tired. And let's go. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you tonight for this chapter. Thank you for the...